0: Hi, everybody. Today is July 25th, 2022, and this is the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast for the SIU Summer 2022 Real World IT Seminar class with me, Tom and Bowden. We've got a couple students joining us here today, and we have a guest today who graduated... What year did you graduate? 2017?
1: Yep. Spring 2017.
0: 2017. We have Marco, Marco Cortez. And, uh, I remember Marco, uh, you had a bunch of classes with me and, uh, one of those students who always got his stuff done and, uh, no, no excuses. Things were, you know, always just never, no, no problems ever. No, no whining about due dates or anything like that. So I imagine you've carried that on to the, uh, to, to the, to the work, work life, I guess, uh, hopefully. And, uh, We'll hear about that. But um, I was trying to think about, because I remember you were in my cloud class, I think, does that sound right? Or was it the yes, storage? Yes, it,
1: it was. Uh, I think we were, what was it? Dell EMC. The EMC we cloud class,
0: design. yeah. And I was trying to think, because I was looking back through some of those voice threads, which I think you guys did not too long ago. And I remember seeing a couple of them in yours. And I was trying to remember who else was in that class. Who were some of the students that you were uh kind of friends with that i'm just drawing a blank around
1: yeah i know it was um some of the classmates i was with Jory. um okay uh who else was uh trying to think of people that you might be able to to remember because i know there was a lot of people that were coming in and out and we had uh similar classes um we were all part of like the working at network engineering oh um, yeah also so, yeah it was like a pretty big group of us
0: cool so uh so so marco graduated 2017 and um let's go ahead and just get started tell us about yourself who are you where are you from what kind of stuff do you like to do for fun and then we'll start talking tech
1: all right yeah well you know thank you for the introduction tom uh and like said marco cortez i graduated from siu in spring 2017 um i live in chicago um Born and raised in Chicago, been here all my life. After going down to, to SIU, graduated. Uh, I was trying to figure out, you know, do I want to go back to Chicago or do I want to try and uh, just uh, move out somewhere else? There's a lot of big tech hubs all throughout the, the U.S. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to explore and, and just, uh, you know, see what my options would be. Um, did get a couple different uh, job offers from different places, but in the end, I ended up just coming back home to Chicago. Uh, so where all my family is, all my, all my friends. So, you know, I just wanted to come back here you know, I'll see like, uh, told myself, uh, I'll go back, um, stay there a couple of years, see how things go. And then maybe from there, um, uh, go somewhere else. But, um, you know, I think I'll be here for for a long time. <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, for, I mean, for fun, I like to, um, I, I, I enjoy working out. So I go to the gym every single day. Cool. Um, I run, I, every morning I wake up, I run between two to three miles every morning. That's my, my morning routine. Um, do five Ks every, every weekend. So wow. big, big runner. Yeah. Um, when I'm not uh, working out or doing actual uh, work for my job, um, I'll be reading. So I'll just be not, I'm not really much into uh, book reading uh, more of just like uh, tech reading, just updating myself on some of, uh, you know, newer technology and just uh, I like just reading like world news and just trying to stay updated. That's a uh, more of uh, just um reading uh, just, articles online
0: okay and i've heard that from a couple people this uh semester good way to keep current so um so yeah so i see you've got the cubs uh you know the cubs thing up there are are you a north so I w-
1: i've actually always been a southwest suburbs of okay. chicago okay um but a lot of my my family did live up north, and uh, do have a lot of friends up north. I did live over there, two blocks away from from Wrigley Field for um, a year and a half when I came back to Chicago. So I had a nice little apartment over there, and um, you know just to go to Cubs games, and I've uh, always been a fan.
0: Okay, I lived uh, I lived on Dakin, uh, just about uh, two blocks from the Sheridan stop, right up from Wrigley for a little while while my wife was working at the Mexican restaurant by the Cubby Bear. Um, so it was fun being a Cardinals fan waiting for my wife to get done at the Cubs themed Mexican restaurant, waiting around, walking around Clark street and Wrigley field, finding places to where my Cardinals had in and drink a beer while I killed time. Um, but you know, it, Cubs fans, they're, they're the greatest, right? They're really, really hospitable and friendly to Cardinals guys. Anyway. Uh, I had more hair then, so I didn't have to wear hats as often. Um, but, um, so that's, that's really cool to hear that you're doing all those five K's and, and, uh, that's fun. That's something I hope, hope to get back myself into as well. Um, so have you always been interested in technology growing up? Did you, you know, was computers your thing?
1: It, it was, yes. I mean, since, uh, growing up very little, um, uh, you know, I, I still remember uh, my parents having like the, the first computer and uh, you know it was at the time where we still had like DSL, I had to unplug the phone line, plug it into the computer to, just to get internet. Uh, just um, And I, I just remember I was always just very passionate about technology and just wanting to learn how does this work. And uh, like my, my parents couldn't get me off of the computer uh, and somehow in the family, I just quickly became like the, the guilty person for anything computer related. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, every, every family has that one uh, tech person. that like, Oh yeah, I'll just ask this guy or this person and just uh, for, for, for help. Um, so I was, always that, that person, um, you know, all through, all through school. Um, I, I, I was kind of conflicted because I worked at a law firm um, throughout high school, all four years of high school. Wow. Um, and I, I was just working very closely with a lot of the attorneys, and um, you know, I, I was when I got to SIU, I went in as undecided because I I, I either wanted to do computer, um, or I was going to go into law. Um, so I did take a couple. Um, I worked with my advisor. I did take like half and half. Like half of my classes were um, IST courses, um, and the other half were more just like political science uh, classes and things that would kind of help me in, in, in that area. Um, you know just taking classes from both of them it um, kind of helped uh, solidify that like technology is, is what i wanted to go with okay um and that's when i officially declared my my major sophomore year um uh, and went into um, IST. i don't know if the majors changed name but it was information systems technology um uh, and you know that's when i started taking all your classes
0: cool yeah we've uh we we're now itech so information technology okay. so uh, it hasn't changed a ton in terms of our curriculum. It has changed some, but um, in order to get accredited by having information systems and information technology in the same degree name, that would be two separate accreditations and it would be two separate curriculums that wouldn't fit as a single unit. So so we made the decision. We're moving to ITEC. We've been all more of an IT school. know realistically anyway so that's what we've been doing this is our second year and next year we should be going up for the accreditation in it um so yeah some's changed, but but a lot stayed the same um you know we always are currently uh evolving and doing new stuff um to bring to the classrooms um so what did you do for the law firm in high school that's pretty rare that you see somebody working all four years of high school
1: yeah. So, I mean, the, the high school that I went to, uh, Raven, uh they work, it's a, it's a private high school. Um, they worked with, uh, it was like a partnership with a lot of different companies throughout Chicago. Um, pretty much what we would do is we would go to school four days a week and then one way, one day a week we would, uh, we would work. Um, and that was our way to pay for our tuition. You know, we were able to pay for um vast majority of our tuition because of our, our corporate work study programs, what they call it. Uh, so we would work at an actual company, um, and just, uh, you know, every company, depending on the company you would, your, you know, your tasks would, would vary. Um, so I was working at that law firm and, you know, the, working once a week, they would just, uh, you know, help pay for, for my tuition. So my parents just have to pay just a very small portion of it. Um, and, you know, over summer breaks, uh, over winter break and like over the summer, I had the opportunity to just work full time and it was just, uh, you know, nice, nice, um, extra money for a high school student. Uh, to be able to just, uh, you know, continue doing your 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 job. And, you know, i worked very closely. I got very close to those uh, attorneys. They ended up uh, giving me like a scholarship also for SIU. So they helped cover some of my expenses uh, freshman year. So that was really nice. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I was like, uh, so uh, um, debating, like, do I want to go into law, kind of do what, what they're doing or um, just uh, go into IT? Uh, so that's why I was, you know, trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do.
0: That school program where you work a day to pay your tuition is one of the coolest things I've heard in a long time. Um, wow, that's that's a really really cool idea. Um, I wish that was more available. Something like that was more available, um, but I guess it's probably limited to you know cities and such. Um, but very neat. That's that's really neat. Um, so you you came down to SIU you chose to do information systems technologies and um when you when you were first getting into the classwork or or when did you kind of decide um what you wanted to kind of focus in in terms of you know technology realm
1: yeah so um i know when I first started taking some of my, my classes uh, at SIU, uh, specifically within it. Um, I did apply for a job at network engineering um, right there on campus. Um, I, I interviewed with them. They, they called me and um, they ended up giving me the, like one of the their student worker positions um, working with their network engineers. So I remember, you know, just the first two weeks, I was just uh, you know, mind blown. It's like, what did I get myself into? Because it was just uh, <laughs> I was working with the network engineers and they were um, like, it was really advanced stuff that I had no idea how any any of it worked, how it functioned. And they were throwing, you know, all these, all these um, terms that like now for us is like, oh, it's yeah, easy, but they were asking me about like um, simple stuff, like, you know, DHCP and just like all these um, different protocols and how they work. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know anything. Um, so it, it was such a, a big learning curve where I remember the, those first couple of weeks, um, I was just so overwhelmed trying to, to learn as much as I, as, as much as I could to be able to do what I had to do, right. The part of network engineering, um, configuring like all the switches and just like, you know, what is even a switch, you know, what's the purpose of it. Um, so it, it was, a you know, a huge learning curve. Um, but I feel like once I, I got through that and, um, you know, just stuck with it, um, I ended up enjoying networking, um, and just learning so much about networking, uh, and I feel like to this day, that's, yeah, that's one of my strong suits within um, you know, the field of IT. It's because um, right now I, I do infrastructure um, in, in cloud, but so much of what I learned at SIU around the networking, you know, it's the same concepts just applied in, in the cloud. So that really helped me out a lot too. And I feel like one of the benefits too was uh, if you know when wanna start taking all your, all your classes, um, I had a little bit of an advantage because a lot of the stuff that we would cover um, I was actually doing it already hands-on at network engineering. Um, so it was more of kind of just at the very beginning, it was just very difficult, um, you know, just going into it, but, you know, it, it, it paid, I feel like it paid off in the long run.
0: Yeah. And, and a couple things. So we have talked to several of our alum who were network eng or um, other places on campus. And, you know, it, I can't say enough about how, Lucky, um, our program is to to have people that are, um, you know, the IT operations staff on campus who either came through our program or have like the you know the the heart of a teacher when it comes to the people that they they hire with students because. You're right. You know, if they're hiring somebody who's a freshman or sophomore, you've maybe got one or two classes under your belt, especially if you're brand new to it. And so that's a lot to take on somebody fresh, you know, with with limited experience and knowledge and train them. And um, it's it's huge. It represents, you know, I think a uh, kind of an unspoken benefits or unacknowledged benefit of, of students coming to SIU because I can't. I mean, I have talked to others at other universities and nobody relies on student workers as much as we do. In fact, you know, I went to DePaul um, for my uh, two years, the the last two years of my undergrad. And I didn't know a single person in any of my classes who was a student worker anywhere, um, let alone one that was working in technology um, and I'm not sure if that was part of it being a you know, a private college, um, but it's you know it's crazy because at times like probably back when you were here, we probably had 10, 15 percent of the population of the classes working on campus doing tech work. Um, yeah. and and that's that's pretty darn awesome. Um, and then another thing I, I kind of, I, I see is sometimes when you're out in the workforce and and this I really um, experienced myself, You know, you know, you, you learn how to do things. There's certain things in your job you need to know how to set up a VLAN, right? So you can figure out how to type the commands in to configure a VLAN and make a VLAN on the ports on the switches that you've been given a ticket to and told this is the switch, this is the ports, this is the VLAN. You know how to do that. But sometimes, you know, you will, when you're taking the classes afterwards, you'll see, well, this is how the protocol for VLANs works. This is why we do VLANs and the purpose. And so it kind of, you know, kind of fills in the blanks, I guess, um, from doing something to knowing kind of the underlying process or protocols or the functionality behind it. And I I experienced this a lot. When I graduated from um, undergrad and got out into um, one of my first jobs, I'd I'd worked a lot, but one of my first jobs in corporate IT where I was in charge of stuff, um, there were all these things I was doing with networking and protocols and administration that like all of a sudden I'd be doing a task or working on a problem. And I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I remember something from this particular class And I didn't understand the whole, you know, like where it fit at the time. But now that I've just been asked to do this and fix this problem, and I remember this, it's like, you know, it's like bonus learning after the fact or something, you know, a light goes off. And, and I just remembered a ton of that happening, um, especially relating to protocols. I had to take a lot of classes that were just protocol classes and, and then understanding how those protocols worked from book knowledge, which is all they did at DePaul, was just lectures and books. That stinks, but you know I did retain it because in the real world, it did help me when I was troubleshooting and putting things together. So, so that's cool how that happens, and I'm glad that you know that that type of stuff you know works in conjunction with students employed at SIU. So, you did your thing at network engineering. Uh, were you involved in any organizations while you were on campus?
1: Uh, yes, I was. So I was also part of a fraternity. Okay. So if I had for fraternity um, right there on campus, so I was part of that. And I know um, I, I did secure dogs for a little bit. I, I didn't get too too much involved like a lot of my mm-hmm. other class, uh, classmates. Um, I was just uh, really busy with just, you know, working 20 hours a week at network engineering, on my classwork, and uh, being part of... Uh, because uh, I was part of like the e-board. I was actually uh, president of the fraternity for two years. Okay. Um, so there was just so much extra work that I, that I had to do.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause those, those Greek life, um, they, they do have more than you would expect. Uh, I, I've come to learn that from having students involved in leadership roles, um, which is another thing that's pretty cool um, as well. And actually one of my student workers uh, he, uh, he's in involved in one of the fraternities and he wants me to, he wanted me to plug it, but now I can't remember which one it was and it's probably gonna be hard to find it anyway. Um, so you graduate, you graduate and you said you've got a couple different offers. Um, what were the offers like? What was the job interview process, uh, the finding a career after graduation or when did you start actively looking for a job?
1: Yeah, I, I started um, applying for jobs in my final semester. Um, so it was, you know, uh, as soon as school started that final semester, I just started looking um, online to see what uh, what companies were were hiring entry level positions because a lot of uh, a lot of companies are willing to wait even if you're not going to be available right away. Um, you know, they they're willing to wait until you know May or June, whenever it is your um, your, your start day of, of when you finish your your degree. Mm-hmm. um so i was always making sure that whatever uh, position i would apply to of entry level um i would make sure to you know indicate like you know, i'm still and i'm finishing up my, my last semester um i did do um an internship with uh state farm um so okay. uh, I, I had i had that too up in uh, bloomington um so i did two um i interned there for two years in a row um kept coming back and then um you know i did have the opportunity um, to go you know full-time if if, if i wanted um, but that was one of those uh, where I was talking about earlier, where I was kind of debating, like, do I want to go back to the city, uh, with all my friends and family, or do I want to, um, you know, just start exploring um, other cities and and other companies? Um, I know I, I did some, submit applications. Also, with a lot of my classmates who were going to to Boeing out in St. Louis, and Cerner. Um, so that was also, yeah, and and Cerner. Um, so the, you know, I, I did have those those things in in mind, like you know, the the want to just you know leave uh, the city on my friends, family, and just, you know, go branch out, um, do, do my own thing. Um, and then that's when I also started applying to city um, jobs here in the city in, in Chicago. Um, and that's when I applied with um, Avanade and Accenture, uh, just to kind of go into consulting. Um, I started the interview process with them and just, you know, one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I, I ended up accepting the position from, from them. So I came back to Chicago, and I've been doing consulting ever since. And uh, I feel like that's the, the best decision I could have done.
0: Awesome! That's great to hear that that you feel that way. Now, now you mentioned Accenture too. Did you did you interview there, or, or did you get a did you t- take a role there too? Or
1: so I uh, I interviewed with both Avanade and Accenture. Um, Avanade is actually owned by Accenture. Um, so Avanade is a joint venture between uh, Microsoft and Accenture. Um, And Accenture, you know, the main difference is Accenture focuses on all types of technology. They do AWS, they do GCP, they do Azure, they do, um, you know, work with Cisco, so many different vendors that they work with. Um, But in their partnership with Microsoft, um, you know, that's how Avanade was created. Um, We focus primarily on Microsoft technology. So all the the cloud work that I do is within Azure and 365. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's kind of like my, my specialty of what I focus on. Um, and so for a lot of the clients that Accenture works with whenever they, they have contracts or, or work that's, um, primarily in the Microsoft ecosystem, uh, they'll bring Abenad on board. They'll, they'll bring us with them to kind of, um, assist them on, on some of that work because we're, we're technically Accenture's kind of, uh, experts in, in the Microsoft field.
0: But you still work for clients that are not Accenture.
1: Yes. So I work, uh, both, you know, Avenatti gets its its own clients as well. Um, and then we also get clients through Accenture.
0: So it's like a sister company or a child company sort of child company of Accenture. Yeah. Okay. Neat. So we've talked to, uh, one other student who works at Accenture doing SIM stuff for the federal governments. And he actually works out of his house in Nashville, Illinois. Um, and he's been there for a few years. And then I have another friend who who is an Accenture threat analyst down, down here too. So a um, lot of opportunities in, at Accenture. And um, it's kind of funny because when I was in, when I was an undergrad up in Chicago, before I even started school, I got this opportunity, a job, um, cause I knew I had to work full-time. Uh, I got a job working for a company called Arthur Anderson. And Arthur Anderson was, um, Arthur Anderson broke up, and Accenture came off of Arthur Anderson to focus on consulting, if I recall correctly. And Arthur Anderson was the big um, one of the big five accounting firms, the one that had the the Enron association and 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 fall um, based on that. And so um, I often I also got a scholarship. While I was working for Anderson, I got a scholarship for DePaul from Accenture. So it was kind of ironic that, you know, they were giving me two grand as a scholarship while I was working for the company that they had like, you know, tense, hated relationships for. And if I, if I think I, if I remember right, there was some sort of tool that our auditors used that was built on like the Accenture web and it was something that was just like a great tool for computing or analyzing i don't know what it was but um it was publicly available and then accenture got word that we were uh, using it is what i heard and so they like cut off all the arthur anderson ip space from being able to access that tool that they had um to keep us from from benefiting i guess it was a little tense relationship between the companies at that time but um But anyway, so I'm glad you're working with Accenture-ish and and not the the failed company that that I ended up with. Um, So you're doing cloud stuff. And um, that's a huge, huge, broad topic, right? Um, And we've all seen the little, uh, the cloud is just somebody else's computer funny image, right? Um, What kind of stuff is it that, that you do um, for your customers.
1: Yeah, and, and you're right, you know, cloud is is very broad. Somebody could say, yeah, I'm a cloud engineer, um, but just how, you know, working with on-prem solutions, um, you can be, you know, on the database side, you can be on the network side, software side, it's exact same thing in, in the cloud. There's so many different things, you know, sub areas within the cloud that you can work on. Um, so what I what what I focus on is more on the infrastructure side, so building um, and deploying um, the actual infrastructure, so like all the the networks, um, all the initial security, um, you know, virtual machines, um, just like uh, you know, load balancers, uh, anything that's you know, it kind of falls under the infrastructure uh, part of the house. Um, that's what I do. So with a lot of my my customers, what I do is, um, you know, it, it depends. Uh, some some clients already. Um, they're already up in Azure, and it's uh, more of doing assessments, um, you know, whether they're trying to expand um, and just migrate data centers over to to Azure, um, you know, we'll, we'll do assessments to just kind of evaluate their, their landing zone of how their existing Azure infrastructure looks like, um, how easy it is to, to scale out, uh, kind of work with them to um, show them what's the 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 best route to migrate whatever they're trying to migrate whether it being you know virtual machines from on prem and um all these applications and um sometimes they'll do multi-cloud solutions so they'll be working with both uh, azure and aws and um so it, it it varies um you know some of our clients are completely new to azure where they don't have anything up in the cloud mm-hmm. and they, they come to us and say like hey you know we want to we have all these data centers and we want to start use, leveraging the the cloud for some of the, the great benefits that it provides Um, so we'll work with them to kind of assess um you know how how broad of a migration do they want to do you know are they trying to migrate everything just um, you know little bits and pieces um what type of applications are we going to be working with and um we'll do we call them um more of like um cloud foundations workshops where we we kind of just show them from you know governance and security and um, all these different areas where we'll, we'll work with them and just have workshops to kind of introduce them to the cloud and what they're gonna be um, expected to, to kind of uh, um, learn and, and, and work with uh, once they're, they're, they're up in the cloud. And then um, after those workshops are done, you know, we'll start, we'll um, sit down and do actual architecture designs for them and show them this is how your, your Azure environment is gonna look like. Um, you know, we'll we'll kind of go back and forth and make some changes to, to the architecture um, once we agree on, on um, all the architecture diagrams that we have for them, uh, we'll sit down and we'll actually implement um, all those uh, diagrams for them, and uh, you know, start uh, building out all of their Azure landscape, all their, their landing zones, and just the entire environment. Um, and then, if they want us to assist with the migration as well, like.
0: with us um, and what
1: they want to um, actually do with, within Azure.
0: Awesome. Um, you cut out for just a second, but um, you're back now. Um, the, so are, are you part of a, a team? Are you the front forward or client facing person to come in and help um, you know, take and understand their needs um, and then you run with it the rest of the way through implementation?
1: Yeah, so um, it it depends. Sometimes I'll join some. I'll, I'll start working with some customers uh, where we've already started the work, um, and maybe they just need uh, assistance from from something else. Like one of my my strong suits is from uh, working with uh, just automating deployments. So with Terraform, and we'll do like what we call IAC infrastructure as code. Um, so sometimes some of the customers that I that I work with, um, you know, we already have you know long standing relationships with them. There's a lot of uh, work already um, going on. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe they just need assistance from, from that side. So I'll start working with them. Um, there's other customers who I'll work with and it'll be kind of just how you described from the very beginning. Um, you know, doing the actual assessments and just working with them. Um, you know, uh, my, my role is very client, uh, client facing. So, um, I'm, I'm always, um, you know, working with uh, the clients directly with their, with uh, leadership from our client side and just like all their, their engineers. Um, and just you know working closely with them just to um, see see what it is that, that they're looking for and and you know how how we're going to work together to to deliver that
0: and 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 i'll say um, you know there there are tons of different roles in in technology um, in consulting and in, in contracting and when when you see somebody like yourself who communicates well who kind of just exudes professionalism that's the type of person that companies want talking to the clients day in and day out, you know? Um, And, and not everybody, certainly not everybody in the geeky tech realm has that ability to communicate with the client and deal with the client and, you know, kind of hold their hands when they need to. And, you know, let them cry on their shoulder if it's, if it's necessary. Um, But, but that's, you know, that is a, um, that's a huge plus to have in your uh, you know in your in your uh, toolbox I guess you know those 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 personal skills and soft skills which we talk about so often in classes um, but but really you know you, you either are born with them or you have to work hard to learn them um, so that sounds cool in that you it, it sounds like you probably see, a ton of different things. You probably are learning something new almost every project you're on because you're dealing with customer A, who is a, you know, a a food manufacturer, and customer B, who's a hotel chain, and customer C, who's, you know, part of government. And they all have different requirements, and they all have different, you know, um, things that they're trying to get done. And you've got to come up with solutions to make them work, and probably something new every single time, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, even if you're implementing the exact same thing, like you said, all, all our customers, you know, they're going to be different sizes, different industries. So even if you're implementing the exact same thing, it's going to look very different for each of our customers.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, is there anything in particular that you have worked on that was like exceptionally cool or complex or neat that you can think of?
1: Um, well, you know, it's, uh, i guess it, it um I'm trying to think of a good example because uh, I've, I've been doing consulting a little bit over five years now and so i've worked with uh, you know clients of all different sizes and right. different requirements um i think one of them uh i was working with a um, really big telecommunications company uh and we we're migrating you know hundreds thousands of applications and it was um you know we would sit down and see what's the requirement for this application to look like in, in Azure. Um, we would work on all the architecture designs um, and after the architecture designs were, were completed and agreed on we would um, deploy the application out to um, to Azure um, everything same thing everything had to be automated uh, so it was it was very uh, I feel like for me it was one of those opportunities where you um, with some clients, you're more client facing just, you know, working in architecture designs, uh, documentation, you know, which some people like. Um, but like you say, you know, uh, working in IT, I like to, you know, um, just, do stuff. That sometimes, just sit down and just hands on behind the keyboard and just, you know, type away and be very involved on the hands on the hands-on side. So that's, uh, you know, when I get to work on projects like that where it's a little bit of both. Uh I feel like those are are, are my favorite projects that awesome. I get to work on. Um and you know lately the past um 2 years all the projects that I've been working on have been very hands-on. Um so I feel like I um I have just I've been having a, a great time not only being just client facing just working with like leadership and um the, the clients directly but also being able to uh implement some of the designs that I help uh, put together um and just you know, being able to to, to build what, what you're designing.
0: And so are those the types of projects that you get the knowledge that helps you go for these uh, Azure Network Engineer Associate, Azure Security Engineer Associates, are those things that you, were, were those certifications and the knowledge needed for those, were those things you picked up during uh, your your work or are you training uh, from, are you getting training from Avanad, right? Is that how you say it right? Are, you, are, they, are were they putting you through training to get you those certs? What's kind of the, the education and the training landscape like, look like there?
1: Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. I mean, you, you can go ahead and uh, go online and find uh, courses for you to take all these uh, certifications. And you may be able to, to pass these certifications, um, and, you know, just go take the, the Microsoft exam. Uh, but it's, it's one thing uh, going through the study material. And actually applying it in the real world, uh, um, it's 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 very very different. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit of a um, it, it gives you more of an advantage to sit down and, and pass these certifications when you're actually doing this. Um, you know, every single day uh, when you look at the the study material, um, you feel like you um, know all, um, some of it mm-hmm. already uh, just by looking at it, and you do learn new things too by um, looking at uh, going through the courses and just like all the, the study material and it in turn benefits your clients as well because um you know you learn something new that could apply to them that can save them money uh propose alternate solutions for some of the things that they're doing um so you know it it, it kind of goes both ways and um that's something that avanad really um focuses on is making sure that we have all the tools available for us to, to be training um, you know, we with our partnership with Microsoft, we have a lot of um, training material available to us. They pay for all of our uh, certifications. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very easy to um, just um, take all these certifications that are throughout it, which is one of the, the great things that I, I, I do like about uh, the company. Um, and yeah, it's it, I feel like it's just a really great opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and when you, you know, with these certifications, these certifications are more valuable I'd say in in a role like yours where you are you know your your company is is competing against other companies to do consulting for clients and and having uh you know a, a Marco with four different azure certifications that's going to be working on their project is going to give them you know Arnavad more uh more more prominence i guess when when you're comparing it to this other consulting company that doesn't have these certs and so when you've got you know a role where you are working to um to 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 win clients over you know um having staff and having tech people with these certifications next to their you know their signature lines looks good to those higher level decision makers at the clients a lot of times and, and it you know it's it's cool. I, some of these I mean, I think you're some of the one of the first people I've talked to that's had this many Azure certifications. So congratulations. that's pretty impressive. Um, so I have a question, uh, a little bit of a um, maybe maybe a little tricky one, but so if a client comes to you and they're saying Azure, AWS, everybody else tells me AWS, why, why, why Azure?
1: Yeah, and, and we get those questions a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> AWS still today is the you know, much bigger uh, cloud than than, um, than Azure. Azure is still growing. Um, Azure still has a smaller footprint than AWS. But one of the advantages that that we that we see with uh, with Azure, especially with the clients that we work with, is um, a lot of our clients are very deep into the Microsoft ecosystem. Um, especially once they have a lot of their applications on uh, O365 with uh, Office 365 and just a lot of the, the tools that come on that side. Um, and just working with just uh, Microsoft native technology, it makes the you know in- integration a lot more seamless. Uh, and we're able to just uh, you know propose different solutions that um, sometimes on the AWS doesn't, uh, work the same way or, uh, you know, just... just uh, It's not a snap-in.
0: It doesn't yeah. fit directly.
1: Yeah, and what we're seeing too is a lot of... Uh, before, um, a lot of uh, clients would just used to focus, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to AWS or I'm going to go to Azure, where now most of them are starting to kind of adopt a, a multi-cloud solution where they'll have some, some other resources uh, in one cloud provider, and then they'll use another cloud provider for... Or other things and kind of you know spread out, be spread out um, across uh, two two different vendors and just um, you know trying to branch out.
0: And and is that for redundancy purposes or is it usually economic or is it technical and and reasons why they're just all of the above?
1: Yeah, all of the above. You know, every every client will have a different different reasoning behind it.
0: Okay, now with with Azure, you know, I have seen a uh, a tremendous move across you know all sorts of industries to to office 365 um so if an organization goes heavy into office 365 are there going to be some azure benefits um that that aws wouldn't you know would wouldn't even stand a chance at at, at being offer able to offer
1: yeah so um azure and o365 they 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 work um close together um especially with when you start integrating with um active directory there's azure active directory which uh already if you're just using the old 365 set of, of of the house you know you're whether you know it or not you you already have um azure active directory enabled to a certain to a certain point um there's other tools within azure that are already that you're already leveraging you know whether you know it or not so once you start uh going into azure you start seeing a lot of your applications that are um you know, more more on the Azure side working with your applications in, in L365 because they leverage the same the same backend technology.
0: Awesome. That is uh that's kind of what I wanted I wondered because we, you know we we do get to through we we get the Azure Dev Tools for Teaching package, um which gives us the you know the Microsoft software and some of the training and um it's something probably we need to uh, look into and, and integrate a little more um, with with the infrastructure you talk about doing work with infrastructure. Um, since this is all cloud, is all your infrastructure virtual? I mean, are you building virtual machines and virtual networks in order to serve these clients? Is that exclusively what you're doing? I mean you're not
1: it is yeah you're no
0: you're no longer plugging stuff in. You're yeah, draw, yeah, drawing yeah. lines to make connectors.
1: Yeah, um, that, that's essentially what it is. I mean, all the all the work is is all virtual now. Like you said, you know, we have virtual load balancers, virtual machines, virtual networks. All so everything is is virtual, but it's still, um, in a sense, you know, very much real. Uh, just like in in the data centers where we would um, order a server, uh, you know, we would order a server. We would have to wait for, um, you know, the procurement team to actually put the order in, work with, uh, you know, the vendors, whether it be Cisco or or IBM, whoever's going to actually, you know, uh, provide the the server, Uh, they would install it in in the data center. And then from there, they would, you know, provide us the information for us to uh, be able to, to access the server, you know, in total, it will probably take like three weeks um, to go through a whole process like that. Um, You have a a, a dev team that is just waiting that time for, you know, just, just to be able to access that server. Up in the cloud you can spin up a, a, a vm you know literally with, within a minute um and pay pennies you know because it, it you pay per hour um it's uh hour, hourly consumption um so you can just you know you'll you'll pay pennies uh, on on the minute and you know your your dev team will be able to say like yes this is um the type of server that we need or no we don't want to go with this anymore and you know scratch that um so it's just a lot more beneficial working within the cloud. Um, it it allows um, companies to um, be a little bit more productive and you know just start working on a lot of their um, solutions that that they need a little bit quicker. Um, but I mean, it, it does come with a kind of caveat. You know, once you, once you're in the cloud, whatever is in the cloud, you're kind of stuck there. It's it's very difficult to get your, your stuff back out um, there. But I mean, there's there's a lot of cost savings. Um, And benefits to having your stuff in the cloud. We talk about redundancy um, and just more, um, just planning for disaster recovery solutions that are very easily um, manageable within the cloud. Um, Versus if you have data centers, like physical data centers, you have to build out and spend so much more, more money to to make sure that you have the same solutions in place. Because
0: if you have a physical data center, your your DR. Um, BCDR, business continuity, disaster recovery plans and, and your, you know, your procedures and your policies and and processes are all going to be, you know, individualized and and from scratch for the most part. So if you're going to Azure, you've got to be having the kind of um there's templates there's got to be templates or best practices that may not be exactly how your organization is but can be modified a little bit to make things a little easier um to to implement bcdr than if you were doing it from scratch at a data center located in carbondale illinois
1: yeah yep and i mean there there are best practices we work very closely with microsoft to get um, know recommendations we will work with our customer to see, um, you know, what kind of uh, business continuity uh, do you need? Um, how quickly do we need to be able to restore all of uh, all of your applications and all, all your servers in another region? So that that'll define, uh, you know, what kind of strategy we put it we put in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can easily automate most of that too. So you know, we can have everything set up where if they're in, you know, in the West Coast. Um, we can have everything automated, where um, everything is always being replicated, and you know, in case of a DR situation, um, we have the uh, like a secondary zone on the East Coast, where um, as soon as it goes down, um, you know, within minutes or, or hours, depending on, on the business continuity plan that we put together, um, all their stuff will automatically just be moved over to um, to the East Coast or somewhere else. Where with the physical data centers, you know, they, there's a lot more planning that has to Happen on, before they're, they're even ready for something like that.
0: Yeah, you. I mean, you're thinking of, uh, when you're talking about physical data centers, you're you're talking about a lot of times purchasing equipment and 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 office space that's going to sit unused. You hope never ever needing to use, um, but there in the case an emergency happens. Um, so with the cloud and you know hyperscalability and all that type of stuff, it's it's pretty cool all the things that you can do. And, and I guess we always have to remember that all these things up in the cloud, there's still people down engineering it at the, you know, the bare metal, at the hypervisor level to to code and to deploy the stuff that the cloud runs on, which is, you know, another layer altogether. Um, are you seeing many customers like moving almost everything they possibly can to the cloud. So they have almost no um, on-prem hardware. I mean,
1: yeah. So I feel like it depends on the size of the customer. Uh, Once we start working with these very large customers, sometimes what we will see that's very common is um, a lot of these customers are still going to be using legacy applications and in-house applications that they built themselves. That might not be um, very compatible with the cloud, or they might not be able to migrate as easily.
0: Like an Oracle, um, so like an Oracle um, environment, or something like that.
1: Yeah, and some some customers are running um, like very very custom um, tools that, that they build themselves, um, or just um, you know, some of them have different requirements, uh, like industry requirements that. Um, certain like regulations don't really allow certain things to go up in the cloud. data just gotta uh, stay on-prem. Yeah, yeah, so there's, there's some things that even if they wanted to, they wouldn't be able to. Um, so it really depends on you know the, the type of customer that we're working with, the, their size, um, and you know, how much legacy things they have uh, running on-prem.
0: And, and you find all that out when you're doing this exploration phase with the customer and, and doing the requirements and drawing up all the plans and diagrams and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, software-defined networking. Is that something you're getting your hands into? Uh,
1: so um, we do infrastructure as code, uh, mainly okay. doing things through Terraform or, or Ansible. Um, and we you know, automate all of the, the deployments out to Azure. Um, so that includes all of the you know, resource groups, the, um, the virtual networks, the network security groups, the virtual machines, you know everything that's infrastructure. Um, and then from there, uh, we do work with uh, clients. Um, a lot of them leverage, uh, you know, either whether it be in GitHub Actions or um, Azure DevOps, where they kind of move on more to the CI/CD for the application side too. Okay. Uh, where once uh, you know my work is done of deploying the the infrastructure through Terraform, they're able to just um, automate their um, application deployments as well, and just manage um, their their servers that way.
0: Cool. Are there any types of like virtual machines that that just really don't suit the Azure cloud
1: um, what do you mean like any type of
0: uh, I don't know machines? I just didn't know if there was anything that maybe the the Azure cloud wouldn't handle as well as the AWS in terms of just a you know some sort of standardized just run-of-the-mill virtual machine or run-of-the-mill application or um, I haven't run
1: into any, any issues. I mean, or, I mean, is there?
0: I guess what I'm asking is there is there anything in particular like you somebody wants to do it and you have to say yeah you're probably going to need to use AWS for this, or is that kind of one of those things that you don't want to go there because that's not your gig? <laughs>
1: uh, well, up to this point, um, you know, I know Azure and AWS are like the two main uh, competitors. Um, you know, GCP. I, I feel like they they focus more on, on other things uh, where you could, um, you know, spin up VMs and, and GCP and, and do other things like that. Um, but just the, on the kind of customers that AWS and Azure compete with, they're, they're very um, closely aligned where they'll have the same solutions. They'll just call them different. Okay. So right now I'm working with a client where they, they already have their, their AWS environment and I'm working on building out their Azure environment now. Um, And they'll say like, oh, you know, in in AWS, we're doing this by, you know, using this service and, you know, we'll tell them like, oh, well, Azure has equivalents, you know, it is called this and it works this way. Um, So I feel like that's something that AWS and and Azure kind of um, keep keep tabs on each other, like, oh, what kind of services are they introducing? We got to do something similar. Um, So I haven't had a a situation where I've had to tell a client like, no, this is not going to work in Azure, you have to do it in AWS.
0: Awesome. Um, any questions from you guys before we have our last five minute five five question wrap up? Monica Jordan, Kyler, this has been really f- informative. Um, I have I've learned a lot, and um, I, I know I always like seeing um, you know students who get into these roles that kind of span technical and I don't want to say sales, but you know client facing. Um and and then just the amount of stuff you've got to be seeing and learning has got to, has got to be really cool. Um, that's exciting. I'm, 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 I'm happy, I'm proud for you, um, Marco. Um, Thank you. Is there anything you anything I should have asked you that I didn't or anything you want to tell us that I maybe have neglected?
1: No. I mean, one thing I just want to say to, you know, all the, the current students current and future students, um, I know when, when I was going through my, my courses at, at SIU and all the, the career fairs and just applying to, to jobs, I feel like most of those were kind of a little bit more inclined to going into industry jobs, just going with uh, big companies, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, that, that's, that's great. Um, but I feel like, um, some people, especially at entry level, um, take the consulting side for granted or don't really think too much of like, oh, let me try and go into to consulting. Um. But it's a field that I would uh, highly recommend, especially mm-hmm. for entry-level uh, people, um, like students just graduating and just entering the workforce. And in IT, uh, I feel like consulting is is one of the the, the greatest ways for you to um, just learn at a very rapid pace and just working with uh, a lot of different clients. And you kind of uh, begin to build your network um, with with all these um, different different um, companies and um, like I said, you know, you're doing one thing. Even if you're doing the same thing somewhere else, it's going to be very different. Um, so I feel like as a as a young um, um, younger engineer, still earlier on in, in their career, um, consulting is, is one of the, the the greatest ways that you can kind of uh, just um, you know just just learn a, a lot more. I, I sometimes what... I working with uh, with people in, in industry now. Uh, you know they're surprised of you know some of the the knowledge that that we have and um how much how much we know and you know they look at us as as experts um but uh, the way that we we did that was just you know we're working with so many different clients doing the same thing where um you know that that's why they they call us for for our expertise
0: and and how big is avonad uh
1: so avonad operates uh globally um we're, we're all over the world uh we're not as big as accenture Right. I think right now we're about like fifty something. Um, yeah, it's like fifty thousand, fifty something thousand employees worldwide.
0: Wow. Um, okay. So
1: we're, we're we're growing. Yeah.
0: And and headquarters Chicago or?
1: Uh, no, headquarters is in Seattle.
0: Okay, but you've got a a big presence in in Chicago. We do. Yes. And do you have to travel a lot? I mean, not without. Uh, I mean, not not considering COVID before.
1: So, so that's one of the, the things that we, we kind of talked about that COVID really impacted the, the consulting industry in general, mm-hmm. uh, before there was that huge expectation of, of travel and burnout with consultants because, right. uh, for the first two years that I was in consulting, I did travel every single week. I was traveling Monday through Thursday. Um, uh, mm-hmm. just going to, um, you know, all of my, the, the clients, uh, just all their, all their sites, um, I would get to work from home on, on Fridays, um, but you know, a lot of clients were under the kind of the impression that on Fridays, we didn't really uh, do much work. We didn't get too, too much done. Um, and all, all of our travel expenses um, in the end, we end up billing to our clients. So mm-hmm. our clients pay for all of our travel. You now once COVID hit um, there was this um, kind of uh, everybody was worried like what's going to happen with all, all the work that we're doing right now. Uh, we can't travel anymore. Um, our clients were hesitant, you know, we're not going to meet our deadlines. We're still, we're not going to, um, do the same work that we've been delivering. Um, but you know, throughout these years, we've been able to, to show our clients that even though we're working from home, we're still meeting all of our targets. We're still delivering the same work. Um, everything's done being done virtually and they're saving millions of dollars in travel expenses. Um. So now we're seeing as things are, are, are opening back up and you know things are slowly going back to, to normal. We can say that um, our clients are still not demanding us to, to travel. There there is some some travel for some people. Um, you know some important meetings with with leadership that we have to do. Then yes, we will we will travel. Uh, but for the most part, um, we we don't think travel is going to go back to how it was. Um, we're telling our new consultants right now the new travel expectancy might be twenty five percent. Okay. Before, it was 80 to 100.
0: Okay. All right. So I've got five rapid-fire questions for you. All
1: right.
0: What is your favorite food, restaurant, cuisine? I know you got a lot up there available to you.
1: Food? Um, I think, um, by far, uh, pizza is going to be my, my favorite food.
0: <laughs> okay. So So tell me the pizza that you enjoy up in Chicago because I – have my favorite food in the entire planet is is Pequod's on the north side
1: um I've been eating a lot more from uh, uh okay so.
0: <laughs> that's my second um yeah my wife was a waitress there through college and we lived across the okay. street from it so uh, we got to eat that quite a bit. The spinach and garlic was my favorite. And She would bring a big pizza home for us and the neighbors most days. But but good call. Have you tried Pequod's? I have not. Okay. So it's on Clybourne and Webster. Um, and it's it's kind of one of the – I mean, it's Food Network famous. It's one of those places you might have to wait a long time, but you get there early and you can get in. It's, a, it's the best food I can – my favorite food on the planet i'll tell you that and i've eaten a lot of food during my life um and and a lot of pizza and that's by far the best so make your way up there uh and and charge it to one of your clients um (laughs) do you have any um podcast books movies tv shows anything that you've been enjoying recently that you want to recommend doesn't have to be tech related
1: um not recently no um I don't have any any of them right now. I've, I've been trying to kind of uh, be a little bit more on my work life balance and just uh, you know just enjoy things outdoors.
0: Gotcha. Good. Um, is there any type of technology, either personally at home or at work, that you kind of would like to uh, to to play around with that you maybe haven't gotten to or just started to something that you're interested in?
1: I mean, it's just more branching out and it's still within cloud. I have my own subscription, uh, within cloud that, you know, that there's always new services being released. Um gotcha. and it's just more of uh, you know, new learnings that i like to do and that I know can help, um, you know, future clients.
0: Cause cause as a, as a cloud consultant, even if you've not gotten your hands completely into something, knowing that it exists, can be, you know, what helps you get a client's uh, contract, um, you know, and yes. point them in the right directions. Um, where do you see yourself in your career five to 10 years from now?
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm slowly trying to just uh, continue working my, my way up through uh, the, the ladder. Uh, I'll start off as a just analyst. I'm in a manager right now. Oh, so cool. you know, five years maybe be you know senior manager or starting to get a little bit more into like the directory level uh, positions um, so that's you know just continuing to to work to, to just to get to that point
0: keep keep working hard and impressing people and you'll make it yeah. and last question if you could retire today and do anything you want money was no object what would you be doing
1: uh, travel for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I take two or three vacations a, a year. Um, so, you know, travel whenever I can. Uh, so if I was to retire today, I just, you know, instead of uh, traveling two or three times a, a year, it would be, you know, traveling all year.
0: Okay. Any place you'd go first?
1: I really wanted starting to start um, to explore more some of the Southeast Asian countries. Um, okay. So I would want to start traveling over there.
0: Awesome. That does sound cool. I've, I've had, a, had a friend who uh, who, who rode a, uh, a, a scooter around, I think, Laos and Cambodia, uh, and that sounds like a crazy fun thing to do, but, um, but yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on your success getting to where you're at uh Marco. We really appreciate your time today and um I will um I'll shoot you a link when I get this podcast episode ready. Um okay. and thanks again. I might I might hit you up in the future to talk a little more if you're up for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I put all my contact information there, you know, if the students want to add me on on LinkedIn and yep. just like to ask questions there. everybody's welcome to
0: and if they're interested in a position up in Chicago at, at a, an Avanad, they can reach out to you to get some info.
1: Yes, Avanad Accenture, both uh, will be fine.
0: Cool. Thanks again, Marco. You have a good rest of your day. We'll see everybody later.
1: All right, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me.